0: Games remain for the Cincinnati Bearcats in the regular season. Can they fix their biggest weaknesses? Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, thank you so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. It's free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to our Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel. Follow it, too, to get an alert every time we drop a new episode. My name is Alex Frank, your host each and every day, former sports director of Bearcast Media UC's student-run media organization, where I was a play-by-play announcer and weekly radio show host in our radio studios covering Bearcats football and men's basketball. Today, it's Thursday, and that means we're joined by Russ Heltman, my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated. Russ, um, you were at the game Friday night. You were um, in the sports writer's emotional roller coaster. How did this team pull it out against ECU? Anything you noticed live and in your film review?
1: Well, it was another one of those gritty, dirty, nasty Bearcats wins that looked a lot different than the last time ECU came to uh, take part in a nip at night affair. 55-17 back in 2018, 27-25 this time around. Holt Naylor is part of both those contests, and he showed his maturation and growth was fantastic in that game, really almost kept them alive and almost gave them the victory with that improbable fourth down falling to his knees. Gets it out on a final prayer to get the first down, but the Bearcats ended up, Holding serve, Ivan Pace creates late, big-time pressure to get the job done and keep ECU out of the end zone, or keep ECU away from palpable field goal range to end up taking the lead there. And to me, it's just finding a way to win on a night when your quarterback had arguably his worst game of the season.
0: No question about it. Only 14 of 30, but he did have two critical touchdown passes, in the second quarter, the Bearcats scored 24 points in the first half, 17 of those coming in that second quarter. Um, are we at a point that we'll get to Ben Bryan in a minute, obviously, because a lot of fans are talk are, are you know talking about him, and then there's still those that are on the Prater train. I'm I'm now back on it. I know, Russ, you are too, but here's what I'm noticing right now, Russ. This running game, I mean, have we reached a point where it is considered a weakness of this team?
1: Yes is definitive the weakness when you have inconsistent offensive line play throughout the entire season guys in and out of the lineup guys with no firm kind of entrenched spot going into the year with all the shuffling they had the lack of just usage for Corey kiner he's in the doghouse for some reason and he has not found a way to get himself out of it and ryan montgomery he's a he's a great leader great veteran but not necessarily the most talented running back in the conference. Charles McClellan, another guy, solid talent, solid efficiency this year, 6.2 yards per carry, but not a guy you can give Belcal carries to 20 to 25 times a game with his injury history and his overall slight build there. So when you're stuck with this kind of scenario in the run game, I don't know how it's going to get much better the rest of the year, and it's pretty easy to see why it's been so as inconsistent. 4.2 yards per carry as a team, 1,276 yards on the season. It's okay on the surface, but it's not the strength that the Bearcats have utilized throughout the first four years of the Luke Fickle era.
0: Yeah, the running game, I mean, I think you bring up a great point. There's no bell cow running back on this team like in years past. I mean, I don't view Charles McClellan as a bell cow. I don't view Corey Kiner as a bell cow. He hasn't gotten much playing time. And I just think that, and Justin Williams pointed this out in an article he wrote um, earlier this week. Looking at this team, comparing it to 2019. Well, this team is surprisingly, or I should say, believe it or not, doing well in the passing game. They're just not doing well in the running game. The 2019 team was great at running the football. They just struggled in the pass. So. It's just a matter of they have not been able to put it together offensively really since, I would say, the Miami game, because Indiana, they only had 40 rushing yards on 30 carries, and now it's become a true weakness of this team. Now, I said earlier this week, if this team is going to win a conference championship, which I still think they can, they got to be able to run the football, but right now, I mean, Andre Ware brought this up on the broadcast. Russ, you might have heard this. ECU was just getting tremendous pressure Um, up the middle because the Bearcats' offensive line, I noticed they weren't creating any gaps for McClellan to run through. And when you don't have a mobile quarterback and Ben Bryant, who every time he gets out of the pocket is essentially a lame duck, um, just, you know, waiting to be sacked. So here's my question to you. Can this team still win a conference championship with the way they're playing right now?
1: No, they cannot. They cannot go into Orlando and beat that UCF team the way they're playing right now. They cannot. They have to be more consistent offensively. You cannot go an entire half as they've gone throughout the entire season, halves at a time not scoring touchdowns, halves at a time only putting up three points. And you bring up the interior issues with the offensive line. It's borne out in the numbers. When you look at their power success rate this season – only converting on one- to two-yard runs 65.2% of the time. That's 86 nationally. Average line yards, they're just average, 56 in total average line yards. Passing down line yards, they're good, 28, 3.24 line yards per passing down. They're solid in, in overall stuff rate, but not great. They're still getting stuff 16.8% of the time, 57th right in the middle of the pack nationally. And then when you look at that sack rate, it's just an absolute disaster right now for the Cincinnati team. 7% sack rate allowed, 82nd overall. The trenches, especially offensively, are not holding up their end of the bargain. And it all started to kind of crumble once Jake Renfro went down. And they had some more continuity and communication avenues between the rushers and the guys up front. Uh, Bearcats fans, check out my interview with Ryan Montgomery yesterday after practice. He got into this a little bit in a couple of questions. I asked him point blank, what's up with the run game? Is there anything communication-wise that you guys as running backs can do with the offensive line? He started to talk about the scheme a little bit and started to talk about what they can maybe do internally in in terms of kind of day-to-day to fix some of those issues. But like you mentioned, Alex, they aren't creating enough holes for guys like, Charles McClellan and Ryan Montgomery to run through, who aren't players that coming into this program and looking at where this program is right now are going to make guys miss in the hole as it is.
0: Yeah, and, you know, that that's a reason why this offense is struggling. I mean, you really do wonder how they're winning games. I mean, they only scored 20 points against Navy. They weren't effective running the football in that game, and they weren't Special effective teams. against
1: that's why they won on on Friday. It was all special teams. I mean, yeah. sixty five to seventy percent of that win was because of Mason Fletcher, yeah. Ryan Coe, and Jaden Thompson.
0: You're right. I mean, Ryan Coe with the, the two field goals and uh, one in the second quarter, one in the fourth quarter that turned out to be the game winner, and the other one, um, and Jaden Thompson, who wasn't even supposed to return that kickoff for a touchdown, but he did, and that you know ignited a jolt into the Bearcats. Overall, and and Russ, here's the thing, like the Bearcats had minus three yards in the first quarter offensively, and yet they still led seven to five. I mean, if that doesn't summarize the Bearcats program, at least this year, I mean, I don't know what will. Um, Obviously, it's a question that a lot of people are in a a certain, are on a certain train. Russ says, I am, is it going to happen? We will get into that um, on the other side of this message. Today's episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by Nugenics. Good thing I read the pronunciation guide for this other drug that is in here. Um, Remember when winning felt easy? That's because when you were younger, like me and Russ, you were at the peak of your testosterone production. What some have called the winner's hormone or the man hormone. Wouldn't it be nice to get that winner's edge again and that old swagger back in your step? One more energy to counter the negative physical effects of aging Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster with Testofin will help you turn back the clock, re-energize your workouts, get you better results at the gym, and help you look and feel like the man you really want to be. NuGenix Total T contains man-boosting key ingredients like Testofin. It has been validated in five clinical studies shown to boost free testosterone levels in men. Because Nugenics Total T boosts free testosterone that the aging process robs, you'll feel stronger. Leaner, with more energy and drive, and more passion, too. Your partner will notice the difference. While every product professes quality, many other products use generic ingredients that are often far less than clinical grade. With Nugenics Total Tea, you get the same clinical potency levels used in the trials, and Nugenics' formulation is backed by 10 years of science and research. Now, get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea when you text college to 231231. Text now and get a bottle of Nugenix Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you get back into shape fast, absolutely free. Text college to 231231. Text college to 231231. Texting enrolls you into recurring automated text messages. Consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates may apply. Thank you for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen. For your next listen today, check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast. Catch up on the biggest stories of the day in Sports Plus. Get instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Lockdown Sports Today is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Back with Russ Hellman on Lockdown Bearcats, my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated, right here on Lockdown Bearcats, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. So, a lot of fans are unhappy with Ben Bryant, especially after his performance last week against DCU. They barely pulled that one out. Um, They want Evan Prater to start. I think there's merit to starting him, especially if you're going to go to Orlando and win a conference championship. So should this team now, at this point, Russ start Evan Prater? And do you think they are even considering making that change?
1: Keep it pretty short on this one. Yes, they should consider it. Yes, it should have happened probably a month to two months ago. Should have happened... I mean, after the first two conference cha- conference games in this schedule. But no, they will not make the change. It will not happen. I don't see any way that Evan Prater, unless Ben Bryant goes out and I mean, but even then, like what's the point? If Ben Bryant goes out and throws three interceptions against Temple, you lose as a 17-point favorite on the road, then the season's over anyways. You're going to holiday in bowl, et cetera. Whatever remedial bowl that just doesn't matter in the eyes of the grand scheme of the 2022 season goals. So I don't see any scenario. Where Evan Prater becomes the starting quarterback for a game or extended period of time, the rest of the season, unless knock on wood, Evan Ben Bryant gets hurt, which obviously no one wants to see that.
0: But why are they sticking with Evan with uh, Ben Bryant, Russ? Like, like, what is the main reason you think they're sticking with Ben Bryant?
1: They say he gives them the best chance to win, and I would say today, maybe game to game. On the surface, yes. That week, this week, Ben Bryant gives you the best chance to win. At practice on Tuesday, he was the better quarterback. He's been the better quarterback at practice throughout the entire season. Like it, I, I'm not coming on here and going to lie. He threw the ball better. He threw the ball basically perfectly in practice. and That's what's so frustrating, watching him in the bubble versus watching him when those lights go on. It's three to four throws a game that you and I talk about, that you and I have brought up ad nauseum throughout the season. It's going from three to four misses to nine to 10 misses. And that's what he's done basically the past six weeks for some reason. And I tried to figure out if there was any mental block, if there was any real defined reason why he can't hit these deep balls more consistently. And he said, it's just coming down to timing and coming down to that throw in that moment and making that play. And some guys have it, some guys don't. And Ben Bryan is a guy that's one of those middle of the pack college quarterbacks and not one. I think it's pretty clear that's going to consistently be able to hit the throws needed to take a team to an undefeated season or take a team to an AAC title this season. If he makes it three to four misses a game instead of eight to nine over the next three weeks with two wins in between and headed to Orlando, then yes, they can win the AAC championship game. But there's just no consistent stretch of performance over the past six weeks to lean on that makes you think that's going to happen.
0: Yeah, I've heard that. I hear this point. Mo Egger and Tony Pike brought this up. When the big plays aren't there, this team has trouble sustaining a drive, and that's going to be very important for this team against Temple and against Tulane, right? Definitely. I
1: mean, definitely against Tulane. Temple, I don't. I really don't think they should have any issue with this with this passing attack from, from, from the Owls. I think the outside corners for the Bearcats are hitting their stride. Arquan Bush, Jaquan Shepard, that's the big matchup for me against EJ Warner in that passing attack. I think they're going to win that. And then when you look at the Owls, they're bottom 25 nationally in rush yards per game. They really are... Very similar to the Bearcats, both teams struggling to run the football heavily right now. But Tulane, yes, Tulane has a rushing quarterback, Michael Pratt. He can make you pay with his legs, and so does UCF. They're going to be able to drag out drives, sustain drives, stack first downs, stay out of third down, and be able to consistently move the football on offense versus a Cincinnati offense that, unless the quick game is working, they can't sustainably mount drives because they don't have the rushing attack to lean on and they are at a disadvantage in that rushing attack compared to these other two offenses above them right now or right with them right now in the standings because those offenses have that that extra quarterback variable in the run game.
0: All right, so speaking of the passing game, and if Ben Bryant is still missing on some throws, that's going to impact Tyler Scott because he's had a really good last two games. I mean, how good have they been in your eyes and and, and like, you know, just – Give me your two cents on how good these last two games have been.
1: Tyler shot has been incredible. I mean, he's a guy that probably should have had a couple 200 pieces over the last two games. He's creating separation at will on all three levels of the field, which is something Luke Fickle has made a great point to identify this year, how much growth he's taken taken as a route runner, how much growth he's taken with his footwork at the point of attack with release off the line of scrimmage. It's all really fun to watch. I kind of find myself during sometimes over in the press box just only watching Tyler Scott because he's such a technician out there. Fantastic against Navy, tied a career high, 10 catches, 139 yards, two touchdowns, added another score with seven catches for 140 against ECU and probably should have had closer to 180 yards um, with two touchdowns. If Bryant hit him on that deep ball with him wide open down the right sideline, Bearcats end up getting the screen pass touchdown to Trey Tucker the next play. So it doesn't hurt them in the grand scheme of things, but the, the separation and the play of guys like Tyler Scott and the rest of these weapons, it's just, it's not getting maximized to the full potential because of the inconsistencies, inconsistencies passing the ball.
0: All right. So Tyler Scott has been the leader of the receiving court the last two games. But Luke Fickle brought up an interesting point on his radio show on Tuesday. Jaden Thompson is the reason why the Bearcats, he said, still have a chance to win a conference championship. Do you agree with that point?
1: A thousand percent. Uh, Just the added effect of his playmaking, obviously only one catch for 11 yards against uh, against ECU, but two returns. Or maybe I think it was three returns for 146 yards. One of the, one of them being that 100-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. The wiggle he showed right in that 20 to 25-yard marker range before he broke that thing out um, down the opposite sideline and outran the kicker. He's been the difference, like I mentioned. He was a huge difference for that special teams unit on on Friday night.
0: No question about it. Um. So when all right, so the Bearcats are at Temple Saturday final road regular season game as members of the American Athletic Conference. I mean that they I mean that is, you know, we're coming up on the stretch run, Russ. Um is this a trap game in your eyes?
1: I don't think so. I I really don't. This Temple is bad. They're a bad football team. They're bottom 30 nationally and total net yards per play. I just don't see any many scenarios in this game, 94th Nash net, put net yards per play. Just as long as Ben Bryant is not catastrophic. And the special teams that they have and those corners hold up on Ridge Islands, like I expect them to be in um, throughout this game. And like they were in against ECU. then yeah, it should be, I would say at least a double digit win for the Bearcats if they don't cover that spread.
0: Hopefully it is Rogue game Saturday at four o'clock. We'll get into uh, specifically with the matchup. Temple's quarterback has been playing some good football in the month of November. You thought Holden Aylers was good. I'm not saying Temple's quarterback is better than him, but he's having a very good month of November. So we'll get into all of that after a word from Bet Online. As you see, whoops, let me try that again. This episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer and esports. We've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Back with Russ Heldman, my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated on Lockdown Bearcats. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. So, Russ, uh, the Bearcats are going to Philadelphia this Saturday, final road regular season game against Temple. What does Temple present to you um, that could give the Bearcats some troubles on Saturday?
1: Well, it's it's just obviously that passing attack. You look at freshman E.J. Warner, six-foot, kind of stringy, 190-pound guy with a solid arm. He's averaging over eight yards per attempt, five touchdowns, no interceptions in this November window, and it's a Temple team that Poor non Conference, poor to start conference. Slate has hit its stride a little bit in, in performances over the last couple of weeks offensively. The defense has been an absolute sieve, 97 points allowed at Houston and home to South Florida, but they only they lose 54 28, and then you get 36 more points from your offense there. So that's the big thing here. Can the Bearcats just slow their offense down enough to get enough of a lead? You force them into a, a, a what is it? Uh a predictable game plan with the with the offense throwing the ball a lot there, getting away from that rushing attack, 90.6 rushing yards per game. They've had to throw the ball all season because they've been behind, and that ranks hundred fifth out of 131 teams nationally. Just really, really poor rushing, f- rushing team on the season. It's all about E.J. Warner, and it's all about how great he's been playing in this month of November. Great, great splits, and a guy that could end up willing temple to win if they allow him to get hot enough 69 to 95 830 yards 73 percent completion 8.7 yards per attempt and five touchdowns send that calendar turned to a uh, letter in
0: And how about that um so what the, what about temple can the bearcats take advantage of because i i looked at and they're allowing 196 rushing yards per game now then again the bearcats rushing attack hasn't been great but maybe this is the game where they turn it around, right?
1: You'd hope, you'd hope they can try to turn it around here. I, I don't know. It ECU was ECU wasn't a great rushing defense either. They're middle of the pack nationally, and they couldn't do anything against the Pirates. I'm, I'm not confident in this rushing attack going over 200 yards again the rest of the year, which they probably need it to be in the at least 150 to 200-yard range against UCF to make sure you're keeping the ball away from John Rice Plumley and the rest of that offense and keeping this offense on schedule.
0: Hopefully the Bearcats will get that chance to play UCF. I think they will. But you're right. If they have to go back to Orlando, they got to be able to run the football because they were not able to in that game against uh, UCF back in October. So let me ask you this. Is the defense in a good spot right now?
1: I think so. Jabari Taylor coming back from injury, he looked good the last weekend. I think they're about as, as healthy as you could ask for at this point in the season. To me, they're the most stable unit. Them and the special teams, obviously. But special teams – goes without saying it's not going to hold as much weight as a bad performance on defense or a bad performance on offense. So I would say of the major units, major groups, that's the most stable part of the team right now is that defense. And it's a defense that is bending more than it did last, last season, but, but has only broken really that one time against UCF on those back back 75-plus yard touchdown drives to close the game from backup quarterback Mikey James. Yeah.
0: And let's hope that doesn't happen again if the Bearcats and Knights meet for a conference championship. So let's get to some hardwood. Um, see, here's the beauty of podcasting. Um, we recorded this yesterday before the Bearcats took on NKU. So at this time, we don't know the results. But as fans are listening to this interview, they do know the results. Um, but what do you like and what do you want to see improve from this Bearcats team at this early stage of the season?
1: I've loved the versatility from the offense and I've loved the transition defense and turning that transition defense into easy offense at the end. it's something like they they have like a it's almost like 78 or 80 to four fast break points advantage so far through three games. A lot of that obviously came in game one against Shamanon. That's not a sustainable type of figure. But they're turning over teams a lot right now. They're playing old-school Bearcats ball. It seems like the athleticism is really showing through from this remixed roster uh, underneath Wes Miller. Landers, Nolly, his offensive impact just makes everything so much easier for guys like David DeJulius and Jeremiah Davenport, the former of which lighting up the AAC um, scoring averages so far this season, right around 22 points per game, 78% from three, over 50% from the field. He leads the team in assists, steals, and points. David DeJulius looks like a completely unlocked player, obviously, against competition all outside of the Ken Palm Top 200, and they're going to get their first test, and we'll know what that test looked like after you're as you're hearing this up against the number 182-ranked team in Ken Palm on the road, against Northern Kentucky, but David DeJulius's ability to be the opposite of Russell Westbrook, go into a system, be a chameleon, adapt, and get even better in the meantime while adding a piece in Landers Nolly that could be the skeleton key to this team competing in the AAC stretch run once we get to February and early March. It's really, really impactful, and it's been a really great, I think, not great opening results because there's been some hiccups here and there you get let things get a little too close with Cleveland State, a little too close with EKU before you pull away in both those games. But maybe, just maybe, lack of greatness overall ends up benefiting them down the stretch with some early tests at home. You have to go through some adversity as a team. A lot of new guys mixing together. Overall, it's a 3-0 and strong start for this team with a lot of positive underlying signs offensively and defensively. I don't even really have time to go through all of them because it's uh it, it's such a long list. But the number one thing to me is Landers Nolly's ability and shooting attack impact that unlocks the offense for David DeJulius and lets him be an even more efficient, better all-around player. And Alexander, Landers Nollie's only shooting 25% from three right now. Once that starts going up, this could be uh, instant rocket fuel for this uh, program in 2022-23.
0: I will say this. I mean, I like the three-point shooting, but Jeremiah Davenport, who, yeah, likes to you know fire up a lot of threes. But at the same time, I feel like he's taking too many. I feel like his shot selection needs to improve. Like, this is not John Brandon ball anymore. First available, good shot. This is Wes Miller's offense. You're going to find a good shot, whether that's the first or the seventh.
1: Uh, do you agree with that um, sentiment? I agree. He still does that Davenport special where he kind of – takes a shot way too early in the shot clock, two or three times a game that you don't want to see. Maybe it gets hammered out of him through practice over the rest of the year, but I mean, senior year, like at this point in Jeremiah Davenport's playing career, I don't know that that's necessarily going to get hammered out. What you could start seeing more of and seeing things kind of cancel that out is the fact that Landers Nolly assist total pretty low on the surface right now. I think people would be alarmed at that, but he's kicked out for a lot of open shots that have been missed so far in the first three games. So I've loved his activity offensively and Davenport's activity as well. It seems like he's passing the ball a little bit more, albeit with those one to two head-scratching shots throughout the games.
0: What do you um, think about free throw shooting? Because 71.4 to me isn't bad, but I feel like it needs to be a few percentage points higher, right?
1: Yeah, and maybe that could be a byproduct of you get your guards attacking the rim a little bit more, you get guys going downhill a little bit more, but as long as they're hanging in the seventy mid seventies range, tick that thing up a little bit more over the next few games, then I think that should that should be pretty solid. I'm not I'm not expecting this team to be in the eighty percent quadrant just be just given that the shooting talent is not really there to have an eighty percent team wide free throw shooting advantage. Final
0: question. Um, Right before we recorded this, Isaiah Collier commits to USC. Are you surprised? And how close were the Bearcats to landing him?
1: Not surprised at all. And I think the Bearcats were as close as they possibly could have been, given the scenario and the outside factors, just not in their control. Evan Mobley, DeMar DeRozan. Let's see what's there's. I mean, there's just so many guys out of USC That have been drafted in the recent years. Evan Mobley, a top pick three years ago, two years ago. I mean, Andy Enfield has the skeletons in the closet. He has the pelts on the wall, I should say, not skeletons in the closet to say, hey, Isaiah Collier, you can come here for one year and we can turn you into a top three pick just like we did with Evan Mobley. And you can come here and play with your high school and AAU teammate and Arrington Page who committed to USC a couple months back. So, Those two things, obviously not in UC's control. I think they did about as well as they could have done in terms of recruiting him as an overall program. But Wes Miller, never had a top 25 recruit, never put a player in the first round of an NBA draft, I don't believe, let alone the number one, or not definitely not a lottery pick. He might've had, Isaiah Miller might've been a first round pick last year from UNCG, but he's never had a lottery pick selected from his rosters. and He's never brought in a top 25 recruit. Those things to me were the biggest, Actor into why Isaiah Collier went with the devil he knew as opposed to the devil he didn't know. in since despite having a really great pitch from Andre Morgan, Chad Dollar, and the rest of that staff,
0: yeah, how about that? Um, so do we have a score prediction for Saturday? of the Bearcats and Temple, um, let's go with Actually, you know what, you know what, Russ, let's hold yeah. off on that because. You're going to be back with me tomorrow. Um oh, there you go. So full recap of the Bearcats NKU game. Uh, look ahead to Maui. Uh, we'll look in more in depth to Bearcats and Temple, and what is the final road regular season game as members of the American. So we are headed down the home stretch. Russ, um, thank you as always for coming on today, and uh, we will talk to you again tomorrow.
1: Can't wait, Alex. It's going to be a lot of fun. Do, do do a little double dip action this week. Should be a good one.
0: Double dipping, indeed. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter. By the way, I you know what? Let me bring back Russ into this. Um, oh, he just went away. Well, okay. Uh, I completely forgot to um say you can follow Russ on Twitter at Russ eleven. You already know this, and I can mention it tomorrow, but I'll say it anyway. Um, you can follow Russ Helman on Twitter at Russ eleven. My colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty with two Ns and an ATI. You can follow me on Instagram. Alex Frank, not an underscore, email me at alex3frank at gmail.com. Lockdown Bearcats is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. How about for your second listen today? Check out Lockdown Sports Today from the games that matter. The most of the biggest stories in sports go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights. Only Lockdown can provide. Lockdown Sports Today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts i'm alex frank for Lockdown bearcats russ is back with me tomorrow um we will talk bearcats and nku maui look ahead to the bearcats and temple on saturday and we will then be in game coverage recap of the game um saturday actually i'm not uh recap of the game will be for monday and then we are headed down the stretch for black friday regular season finale and the conference championship game against Tulane. For Lockdown Bearcats, my name is Alex Frank. Have a great rest of your day, and I will talk to you tomorrow right here on Lockdown Bearcats, part of the Lockdown Podcast Denmark your team every day.